Hello and welcome to the 13th episode of the Football Index podcast and today I'm joined by Nick from Who Got the Assist which is a fancy Premier League podcast which is doing quite well actually it's it's an up-and-coming one but they have some very interesting insights on their podcast two hosts and it's uh yeah it's a it's a really interesting listen and Nick is actually a Football Index user as well which is how we got in touch I you know threw him a message asked him if he'd like to come on and obviously he's comfortable being on podcasts already as he's got his own one uh and he's you know decided to come on and share some of his insights so Nick welcome to the show uh introduce yourself and talk to us a bit about who got the assist yeah cheers um so I'm Nick and I do the who got the assist podcast along with um my friend Tom uh, I've known Tom actually since I was 11 we went to uh, secondary school together so we've known each other about 18 years or so now in total we've both um, sort of been avid sort of football fans and fancy football addicts for the last um, few years Tom's been doing it even longer than me and um, we got we got very addicted to it we sort of like posting on all the forums you know um, following all the the news all the chat and um, also monitoring the uh, the FPL market to a certain extent um, going on websites like uh, FPL statistics that would just give sort of stats on what players are rising, what players were falling in order to sort of monitor the market. So, um, yeah, we got into a few other FPL podcasts and we thought, oh, we should give this a shot ourselves because, you know, it's, it's, we've never done a podcast before. We only started in August, but it, it felt like quite a cool challenge. And we um, we set up our website as well. Where we've done lots of lots of articles and, and features on it. Um, so, yeah, the podcast has been going for about six months now in total. It's been going really well. We've grown quite quickly. Our Twitter account, we've now got 4,000 followers, which, um, you know, we're completely thrilled to to reach that target so quickly. It's uh, really good news and stuff. Uh, yeah, and it's um, one of our features um, is actually market forces, which kind of ties in quite nicely with the football index because it's all about um, monitoring the stock market within FPL uh, monitoring the rises and the fallers, when best to buy a player and when best to sell a player. And we've uh, we've done some articles as well on that for um, Fancy Football Scout. And we've been doing sort of weekly stock market infographics as well as uh, talking about it on our pods. Yeah, and that, that was actually probably one of the reasons that I was really keen on, on getting you on, Nick, is because you can kind of offer an insight from that market perspective in terms of like, what is driving the demand behind a player and like actually looking at the yeah as you said the market forces what is driving the the interest in this player and when is the best time to when when you do it for fancy football do you kind of look at players who are actually off form who who are due an explosion i don't know like um i don't know jesse lingard is obviously like a complete anomaly recently but um someone like Harry Kane at the beginning of August when he was off form not really scoring is that kind of like when you start monitoring a player and saying that this kind of you know poor form can't continue just because historically the player is is so prolific yeah I mean that comes into it a little bit that's a factor I guess and with Harry Kane I had him at the beginning of the season he was probably I think he's the second most expensive player in the game I think Sanchez might have started a little bit more expensive but yeah, I had him at the start of the season and he, he wasn't scoring and his price was actually falling. So the, the the market on FPL, it very much depends on how a player's doing. If he's if he's not scoring, you'll see falls and your value in that player will fall quite quickly. But sometimes within the game, you have to have a little bit of patience. So when you transfer out a player, you have to take a points hit um, quite often if you do more than one transfer in that game week because you only get one free transfer a game week and uh yeah with Kane a lot of people were selling him beginning of August but I expressed you know I knew that he's obviously a, a top player that he would you know break his duck quite quickly I kept him in my team and then he started scoring and then when he did start scoring as well especially after his back-to-back hat-tricks his, his value has risen quite quickly and it's the same with um, other players like Sterling Lingard's another one very much in in the moment at the moment his uh his value is increasing very quickly in FPL. So you have to kind of jump on to quite early in order to get those transfer rises. Otherwise, he costs too much and you can't afford him within your budget. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you mentioned Jesse Lingard again there. I, he's, he's I think, about £2.10 at, at the time of recording this on Football Index. And God knows what he'll be tomorrow when I actually upload this because 
I think uh, I think I bought something like about one pound sixty, and I wanted to get more, but you know, there's that that kind of conception about um, Jesse Lingard, where he's not really a proper United player; he's a squad player. But he's really coming into his own now, and he's actually just forcing himself into that lineup and and forcing Mourinho to pick him week in, week out, which is which is crazy. But again, going back to Kane, same thing happened in Football Index at the beginning of the season. He, you know, wasn't returning much media and performance dividends just because his performance weren't there. Like as you said, like when those goals started coming in, it, he just absolutely rocketed, exploded to an extent, and uh, he was threatening at one point to go to go right to the top of the index. But um, yeah, I think uh, quite recently, maybe he had a he had a couple of niggles, hasn't he? Um, he's had to play a, a lot of games for Spurs, yeah, in, in such a short amount of time, which is probably impacting his performances as well. But um, yeah, so so talk to us about how you you found out about football index and what actually made you you know take the plunge because from a from an external point of view, like a lot of people view this product to be quite scammy looking, and I want to choose my words quite carefully there. But um, so so what made you actually you know sign up and and start trying to trade on this this platform? Well, I discovered um, the Football Index through Twitter. I think they've been doing um, some targeted marketing on Twitter. So I saw it come up quite a few times on um, my feed as a promoted um, tweet. And uh, I knew I speak to a lot of other accounts on Twitter as well. We've got quite a few social groups um, where we talk a lot about FPL. And quite a few of those guys also play the Football Index. So I I knew a few other people that played it. I've never really been one for sort of betting sites, to be honest. I, I, I dabble a little bit with the odds bet on Skybet here and there, but I've never kind of, you know, got too heavily involved in it. What I quite like about um, the Football Index, and also sort of come from a financial services uh, background professionally, is the fact that it's all about the, the stock market. And, you know, if you invest in a player, it's not a case of, oh, it's just for 90 minutes and... And if, you know, he doesn't score, that's it. That's your money gone. You might put two pounds in, in on a player and it's like, actually, I've got this um, player now for, for up to three years and uh, I'm investing in his ability to improve over those next three years and to return me dividends and to see his value rise. So I think it, what I quite like about the Football Index and because it's this stock market background, it's all about... Um, you know, watching a player and seeing how he improves. So um, I haven't had much luck, really, to be honest, since I opened my account for Windex. I only start, I've got, I'm very new to it, to be honest. I've only been doing it for about three to four weeks now. But um, the only sort of player that I've made a profit on, which I was quite pleased about, was uh, Maitland-Niles for Arsenal. So he was getting a lot of um, game time recently. Um, for some reason, he was being preferred to Kolasinac. I think it was something to do with Ars- um, Arsene Wenger wanted to play four at the back instead of five at the back, and he felt that Maitland-Niles seemed to fit better in left-back, even though he's actually classified as a midfielder, so it's a bit of a strange one. <laughs> but uh, then Kolasinac got injured, and then I suddenly saw, especially after his, I think it was a Chelsea game, like Maitland-Niles has been sitting quite static for me since I bought him at, um, at the beginning. Then at the Chelsea game, his value suddenly skyrocketed, and I thought, oh, it's my best chance to sell. Perhaps I should have held him, but I thought, oh, no, I actually want to make a profit on a sale for once. So... Uh, yeah, I was quite pleased with that investment, but I don't, I don't know. Do you agree with that? So, yeah, I think I think that's a, that's a good way to look at. It. I think youngsters, especially, get a lot of hype as an Arsenal fan. You know, Ainsley Maitland-Niles has actually really, really surprised me. Um, I, I've I've watched him a few times playing for you know the under twenty ones at one point uh, when he was younger, and and also you know in cup games when he's made some appearances, and he just. He just never looked like he was ever gonna gonna break through properly. In, in fact, out of those that kind of group of players, him, um, uh, Jeff Renard, Adelaide, um, Reese Nelson, Eddie Inkatia, like a few others in in that kind of youth group, I, I I would have put him like right at the bottom in terms of who's actually gonna break through. But he just looks so composed on the ball, and he's he's so fast. Like watching him against Chelsea, I, I don't think Victor Moses got around him once. There was um. Obviously, Zappa Costa got got round him for the for the, for the mm-hmm. final goal, but um, I think you can kind of see Wenger's thinking behind that. Obviously, he could have gone both ways; like he could have chucked him into the to the deep end, and he could have just drowned pretty much, so to speak. But he, he did really well. I think um, he's definitely one to look at, especially 
Arsenal, considering that, you know, Wilshere has six months left. I don't know, it looks like he, he might sign a new contract. Ramsey only has a year left coming into the summer. Coquelin and Elneny are very much squad players. Xhaka hasn't, you know, convinced that many people. So that centre mid spot, that is something that Ainsley Maitland-Niles could actually grow into. Who knows? Like, it's all speculative, isn't it? But obviously, when you've traded out of that position, you've traded off the, you know, the actual hype on this young English player. And if you look at him as an asset, like, what's his actual utility, to, so to speak, in, in quotation mark? Like, he's not actually probably going to, you know, return any performance buzz. Probably not much, uh, well, not any media buzz because he's not in the top 100. Yeah. So do you sell because his, you know, his value is actually rising in comparison to his PB potential because that's not rising. He's playing at left back as a midfielder. He's not really going to get much opportunity there. He's definitely one to look at. I think if he continues playing and you know if he actually moves into midfield eventually, that could be a really, really, um, you know, really, you know, gem in in, in the Arsenal squad. Yeah, because I think I bought him, just looking at the, the spreadsheet now, I think I bought him around 64, 63. And um, he then he then rose all the way up to a high of 0.94. Uh, so, you know, I thought that was the perfect moment to cash in because I was looking at other players and uh, like sort of play similar positions, you know, even the likes of like Alonso, their value on their value on the market. This is a guy who scores quite often. He's like an FPL darling because of that. Mm. But like his value on the um, the football index isn't particularly high, and I noticed that in general about other defenders. You know, top. So Alonso's only about one point fifteen at the moment. I thought, you know, Maitland Niles is he ever going to to cap that? Perhaps not. So I thought this was probably a perfect opportunity to to sell him. And unless maybe you never know with these young players, it might be a, a few years, and he'll suddenly become you know when Aaron Ramsey started scoring week in week out and. If the football index existed then, his value probably would have skyrocketed. But with the likes of Maitland Niles, I was like, mm, this is probably a good opportunity to sell him because I'm, you know, like you said, he's not necessarily going to be getting lots of performance buzzes or media buzzes. So I'm not going to see any dividends on him. So I thought, why not just sell at a tidy profit before he um, sort of stops playing and seems to disappear again from the from the starting eleven, which can happen with these young players. They get a, run in the first team. I think it was Reese Oxford for West Ham. There was a lot of hype about a long time ago as well. He got a run of first team appearances, then just disappeared and went completely off the radar. And I thought, you know, with some of these young players, you never know if that's going to happen with them as well. So it's a bit of a risk. So I thought, you know, buy and sell. Yeah, I think you probably made the right decision. I don't want to speak too, too soon, but as long yeah. as you've reinvested that, that money in a position that has more room to grow, you always want to think of it as like, right, so you're judging this Ainsley Maitland-Niles stock or future that you hold at 93p. How much upside does he have from there? I don't know. How much downside does he have from there? I'm not too sure. But you've got to compare the two. Is the upside far greater than the downside? If it is, then you're probably going to want to hold. If it's not, then why would you hold? Because that potential downside is going to, you know, it, it's just not worth the risk. I, I talk about risk versus reward quite a lot of my videos like I'm not a trading or market expert I'm learning myself but a lot of the stuff that I have learned I think is like quite applicable to, to football index and that kind of thing is is really interesting I think but if you're going from 63p or 64p to 94p that's a you know 30 30 pence rise that's you know nearly 50 percent return on investment and that's that's tidy you're never going to regret making 50 percent uh, return on investment on a player I don't care like if that player goes up a pound in in you know in a few months you've you've banked that profit and you can now reinvest and actually de-risk because if you have that money that you've just made and you spread it on more players or as as I said before like players that have a bigger ceiling then you're actually you know you're being more risk adverse with more potential upside if that makes sense yeah, I think with Coutinho, like you said, if he was to score a, a hat trick against Alaves, I don't think you know the Daily Mirror are going to really care about it, are they? And they're not going to. It's not going to reach the media, um, the media buzz if um, Harry Kane does the same against Swansea. But um, with the, it might you know he might get those match day bonuses, and obviously with Neymar leaving Barcelona, Coutinho can potentially fill a hole there, and it you know. Instead of it being the sort of the MSN, it's the uh, MSC. <laughs> Doesn't stand for anything, but uh, you know he's he's essentially taking over in in Neymar's role, and he can 
he can be part of that sort of front three. Obviously, Messi's getting older as well, so Coutinho will definitely be one of the uh, the figureheads um, at Barcelona for the for the future, and especially with the large fee that Barcelona are paying for him. So I think um, in terms of me owning him, I'm, I don't really care too much. Obviously, I'm seeing the value fall, but I'm not interested in selling him. I've always played FPL quite conservative in terms of my transfers. Like I said, Harry Kane was falling, but I didn't sell him. I'm not going to... Coutinho is probably going to continue to fall, but I bought him for three years. So what's the point of me selling him now? I'm just going to lose a load of my money. I might as well just let that cash sit there. I'll get continue to get dividends over those three years and... Hopefully, um, hopefully over the next three years, I might actually, um, you know, start to turn a profit. If he, especially if after three years there's a new transfer rumor, or you know his performances have really stepped up, perhaps he might have an amazing World Cup, for instance. So um, you know, like I'm, I don't really care that his price is falling. I, I bought him because I believe that the players are, you know, a, t- a top player and he's got a lot of potential. And uh, yeah, so. His, his value is falling at the moment, but it's a long it's a long game at the end of the day. Like I said with Sky Bet, you know, you, you put money on the football, it goes after 90 minutes. But with this, you've got your money invested for three years. So I'll, I'll see what happens with it over those three years. If I sell now, I'm going to get an instant loss and I don't really want to get an instant loss. I'd rather just let that cash sit there um, on the asset. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, like with the spread as well on him in terms of instant selling, it, it you might not even find it, you know, it might not even be worth selling him anymore. It's mm-hmm. it's it's just as important to try and sell at like nearer a player's peak as it is to not sell at the bottom because selling at the bottom can be just so much worse because you are, you've lost all that value in, in terms of the drop, but then you've actually got a lot less capital when you actually sell that player and then when he starts you know rising uh off that bounce off the low because obviously uh, i've discussed in many of my videos before like one one man's rubbish is another man's gold people will see value in coutinho at a certain price when he falls to a certain price there are going to be people who are going to pick some up and they are going to you know hope that he performs well for barcelona he's you know he's he's match fit this isn't like a diego costa situation where he's not going to be playing for five months and he dropped them dramatically as well. But even if you look at his price, he's about £2.33 now or whatever. Um, so, you know, maybe some that the market is evolving to to maybe mitigate those drops to an extent. But that's what Performance Buzz has done as well. Like, before you were on Index or before Performance Buzz was here, like, if Coutinho was moving from Liverpool to Barcelona, his drop would have been like, chaotic compared to what it is now like it would have been a lot 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 harder and a lot quicker than um, than what we'll probably see in the next couple of days but even then he'll probably win uh, the media buzz for the next i don't know probably for the next week or so because it's going to be a big big move and then uh, who knows if he does win the performance buzz on, the, on his first um first appearance performs really well like big uh, big media stations may pick it up it's more looking at like what is going to happen in six to twelve weeks. What what is um, what is he going to be doing? He's not going to be playing in the Champions League because obviously he's going to be cup tied, which is probably a, a big disadvantage for for holders. But that that means he's probably going to play every league game. So in every league game, you've got a chance of winning some uh, some actually really big big uh, big performance dividend returns. Like you could, he could win up to eighteen p, which is which is massive which is massive considering he used to be only 5p back in the day. Yeah, I think you're completely right there. I think um, I'm obviously still learning in terms of the index. So the match day and the media buzzes um, were there from the start. So I, I don't really know what the index was like prior to then. But yeah, I think um, you'll continue to see, I'll, I'll continue to see some match day dividends for Coutinho. Um, and uh, yeah, I think um, especially in the Spanish league, there's a lot of dross there. So I think he's got a lot of potential to to be one of the best performing players in that league. Yeah, for sure. I think um, there's there's not actually that many midfielders in the Spanish league who, who have got some uh, incredible performance plus potential. I think uh, Danny Parejo at um, Valencia, he takes penalties in all set pieces. He's uh, he's currently leading the midfielders, I believe. I haven't looked at the index for a couple of hours, but. Um, uh, you know, there's there might be a, a a role for him there to be like the go-to midfielder in terms of performance buzz returns from the Spanish league, but but who knows really? 
who knows so um i just want to talk go back a bit to um to to fpl so so why why who got the assist as a name it's a good question so uh basically whenever whenever we used to play fpl um before we started the podcast um as soon as we see a goal on the television so they were like and harry kane has scored and chris kamara's you know saying unbelievable jeff all of that we'd be like asking each other but who got the assist because we might have ericsson and deli ali in our teams not harry kane so we we want to know where the points are coming from we don't we don't care that Harry Kane has scored in this particular instant because we don't own him, but because we own other Spurs players, we're like, but who got the assist? Who got the assist? Because you get um, three um, extra points or four extra points from the from the player that gave the assist, and that and that points are very valuable, obviously in FPL. So that's why we kind of came up with a name. It's something a lot of people also ask on the forum, so it's kind of a, a bit of a tactical thing because every time someone says who got the assist, it's almost like a little bit of a a mini plug for um, our podcast because people think, oh yeah, I remember that podcast or that website and they might check us out again. So that's, that's where we got the name from. Yeah, no, that is, um, that is a lot of, that, that is what a lot of FPL accounts do. They, they're always, they're always tweeting about like who potentially got that assist or um, I know my mates do the same as well when we're, you know, in, in football, uh, fantasy football, leagues then they're always like oh who got the assist if i'm watching a game and i'll do the same to them so it is is a really clever name i I really love that um really really good idea but um yeah i mean assists on football index are actually only worth like 10 points which is which is a shame so we don't get that much of that on football index if they were worth maybe 20 points it'd be a bit more um it'd be a bit more of a you know prestigious uh, asset to have and or like a more valuable asset to have in terms of holding those Urzels or De Bruyne's who, who get a lot of assists regularly and uh, they would be garnering a lot more points than they, they are right now if that assist metric was 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 increased. I'm actually going to ask you, like, from your first three or four weeks on the index, what what have you really liked and what have you really disliked? What have you what would you like to see improved and what do you think should should stay or, or should be should be the so, yeah. that you really like? So yeah, I really like the the sort of the UI, um, the interface. It's very um, clear in terms of you know the different tabs, the top two hundred, the squad players, the live rankings. I quite like the fact that there's um, a forum as well, and I've browsed it a little bit. So that's quite cool. It seems like they they link in very well with the community in terms of Twitter and just you know data and the amount of data they give you is pretty pretty awesome. Um, one thing, and it's probably a tactical move on their part, but I feel like they they kind of hide the commission a little bit when you sell a player. It's not very clear about the commission you have to pay. And I think that's, you know, obviously I understand why they do it from a sort of, uh, you know, a tactical point, but I think they could make it clearer, I guess, in terms of selling a player, in terms of like the commission you actually have to, to be charged on top of the spreads. But so that's just one thing that's, you know, perhaps... Uh, you know, bothers me a little bit, but you know, in terms in terms of just the general UI, the features, I think it's um, yeah, it's it's, it's a really good website. Yeah, it's really well thought out, and uh, I think it's um, got a lot of potential for success. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think the commission thing is is like when you learn it, everyone should be multiplying their you know what the player is worth by zero point nine eight, and uh, and then selling them from there. But um, yeah, a, a lot of people have actually asked me like why why they don't do that, and uh, I don't think a lot of like any uh, I don't think a lot of big exchanges do that. They they do just give you the, the front on fee, and then they have the takers and makers fee. I know Betfair Exchange don't do that. Um, any any cryptocurrency exchanges that I use like GDAX don't don't show you the the commission stuff front on. So I don't think that's too um you know too regular on their part. I think. You know, new users just kind of have to to understand that that there is commission. Their business model revolves around commission, and you know that's um that's kind of the way it goes. But um, I was actually just uh, having a look at my my game week uh, or season history is actually on the on on FPL. It was um seventy fifth thousandth overall in uh, twenty thirteen fourteen, then thousandth in the next year. 169,000 in the next year and then 79,000 last season. I don't think I'm going to get up there this year, currently sitting at about 795,000, which is, which is really disappointing on my part. 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty good though. To be honest, like like with the football index, FPL is growing and fantasy is growing and growing every season. I think last season it only had about four and a half million. This season it's got five point six million people playing. So every wow. season, you know, it's going to be more and more challenging to get those those top ranks. I think my highest um, ever is um, twenty five thousandth in the world. But this season, I'm, I'm hopefully set to break that because I'm currently overall rank of eleven thousand. So I'm, you know, I'm really pleased with um, my overall rank in FPL. Has been going really well this season. I think um, getting on the likes of Alonso and Salah, who I've owned since the beginning of the season, has really paid off because those guys have, you know are basically fancy legends this season with the amounts of goals and assists that they've been um, getting. And the great thing about Alonso as well for FPL is he gets those um, clean sheet points. So defenders that can score are, are, you know, a really important asset on FPL. And I'm sure they are a little bit on the index as well. So, um, yeah, it's been pretty good this season. Unfortunately, I played my triple captain this game week on Harry Kane when he had two fixtures for the double game week. And that's kind of blown up in my face a little bit because he's got a total of three points, which is nine from a triple captain. So I was really angry about that. I was, you know, you know, raging, essentially. I was raging a little bit on Twitter. But, uh, you know, I've calmed down a little bit, I guess. But uh, it's just a bit frustrating to waste your triple captain chip like that. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people did that actually, and uh, a lot of people expected Harry Kane to do quite well in those those two fixtures uh, on the index as well. I think he he might have won performance buzz for forwards was just kind of like out of uh, just basically out of default really because he was the only proper striker playing. I think uh, Javier Hernandez hardly touched the ball against West Ham, and um, or and uh, you know he he was just basically non-existent because Spurs had so much possession, but. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the growing interest in fantasy football is crazy, but also, you know, the in- interest in football index is, is growing quite a lot. I mean, I'm getting a lot more followers every single day, and uh, that's kind of the only way I can I can gauge the, the, the interest in the product is by how many people follow me, how many people are subscribing to my channel, which is, you know, I'm getting a lot more these days than I was maybe three months ago, and that's kind of reflecting on their marketing push. I was having a, a chat with someone in, in London who's, who's also on Football Index yesterday. We were out for for a drink, and, and he was talking about how um, he's really pleased by the the big marketing push that they've actually done. I mean, they've you know enticed you to join because of a promoted uh, Twitter um, tweet. So um, maybe more paid advertising like that from them. But I mean, we, we can't actually know how many users they've got they've got more than a hundred thousand if i had to guess it'd probably be about about one hundred fifteen thousand, maybe one hundred twenty thousand now but, but no one can know for sure as i said the only way to, to actually you or you know like analyze how much the interest is growing is looking at people's twitter followings and looking at football index's uh actual official account and their twitter uh, twitter following sorry yeah, and I guess one of the best ways is sort of looking at those players as well. That when you um, first started playing, I think you were saying when you have a pause, Neymar was only valued at one pound fifty or something, and then since then he skyrocketed. So when you see the top, when you see the index growing in terms of the value of those top players, and that's what I, I'd like to see in some of my assets as well. And it's going to be a long time, but you know the best players are going to get more and more expensive, and that is just another indication of the the site's growth because more and more people are you know, investing in these players, which is driving up their prices. And you can see, you know, just looking at some of the players, like um, what they cost just a year and a half ago compared to what they cost now. So I kind of re- wished I'd, um, you know, found out about it a little bit earlier because um, I'm sure people who have been there since the start can make made some really huge profits. And and hopefully, um, yeah, even people who sign up now as well will, will see profits after a couple of years as, as the index grows. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you are totally correct. Like a lot of people on here, and you know myself included, I think we've made like life-changing amounts of money for you know, especially for someone who's my age. I've only just come out of university. It's been a, a crazy couple of years, but um, yeah, a lot of people made huge sums of money. A lot of people have made, as I said, a life-changing amount of money, which is I, I, I still do think this this market is quite undervalued on on the whole, and the only thing that's stopping it right now is is slightly you know some issues on, on football indexes part from a from a product perspective from a from a pr perspective as well those are the only things that i think are holding this product back 
I'm very bullish on it. A lot of people quite often ask me, like, oh, like, what do you think of the, the long-term prospects of Football Index as a product? And I'm like, well, I mean, I've dedicated a lot of my time to, to creating a YouTube channel, a brand, and a, you know, a podcast to this product. So why would I think, why, why would I say anything negative about it if, if I have done those things? And why would I not be bullish about this market if I've done those things? Uh, I always find it funny when people ask me, that question because what I've created, the content I am creating, should answer that for itself, really. And I, I really do think that you know, long, long term, hopefully we'll have new territories. This will be like more of a worldwide thing, or at least European, in the in the mid to, to long term. And uh, we'll, we'll see just a lot, lot more users on it. And um, you know, hopefully those who are joining now, like yourself, in two years' time, we'll look back at this and, and look at it as a as a really, really big decision that you made and a really good one to, to give yourself like that extra bit of money, you know, a monthly or whatever. Yeah, for sure. And um, part of the reason, I, I know it's probably frowned upon within the um, index community, but I bought one of the, the Tracker 10s, uh, Tracker 10 <laughs> FPL, but it was just to kind of invest in the index itself and, you know, um, just to see how how it grows and i'm i'm not one to sort of like log in day trade and that sort of thing i'm happy just to kind of put some plow some money into the index and you know leave it there for a long time and then um, and just see how i how i get on i'm a bit worried obviously some players like ronaldo might drop in value especially as they get older but um but you know like the likes of coutinho have had already seen huge falls on him uh, but well, you know, hopefully, if he gets those um, dividends in five p dividends or whatever for each stock, um, then you might see. Um, I might eventually, you know, turn some profits, and as um, as, as the index grows, is um, their value might start to increase again. Yeah, I mean, yeah, again, who knows what will happen with Coutinho? I hope for for your sake that he he goes to to Barcelona and takes every single free kick and and penalty off Messi, and uh, <laughs> and wins yeah. some wins some performance buzz. I mean, I think a lot of people are really interested in how Coutinho is going to do in performance uh, performance wise sorry so I think that hype is going to stay there to an extent like there's going to be this big drop what I think this is just like a really vague uh, prediction don't take this as investment advice at all I think they'll see it we'll see like a massive massive fall and then we'll see like a quite a consolidationary phase where the, the price moves up and down very very slowly and um, there isn't that much movement uh and then there'll be a point where he either does really well on performance buzz or he'll he does really badly and that will literally be the driving force behind the next drop or the next rise so for Coutinho owners who didn't get out on the top end but not all is lost remember that there are a lot of traders there is a lot of interest in how Coutinho actually performs as a midfielder for Barcelona because as I discussed before Rakitic is not winning performance buzz. Sergio Busquets is going to win it once in an absolute blue moon because he sits in front of the defence, never gets forward. And on those big, you know, uh, multi-game weeks when there's lots of midfielders competing, he's not really going to get close because he just doesn't score, doesn't take any set pieces in terms of, you know, crossing, etc. for him to win. So there is massive, massive attention on how Coutinho does because Barcelona are flying in the league. They are going to beat a lot of minnows like 5 and 6 nil. And if Coutinho can get himself a goal or two, a lot of assists, he'll probably take some free kicks. I'm just uh, speculating here, maybe some corners. Who knows what his price will be in terms of, you know, uh, like 6 to 12 weeks down the line. I think the big disadvantage is that he can't play in the Champions League because I think if Barcelona get to like the quarterfinals or semifinals, he would have a big chance of not only winning some performance buzz, but some media buzz as well, um, which is probably the downside. But the upside is if you're still owning, as I said, then do really keep like keep a close eye on how much attention there is on Twitter because what drives a player a player's price is interest at the end of the day. And if you're on Twitter and there are a lot of people talking about Coutinho and how he could potentially do in performance buzz, then that means there are a lot of people ready and waiting to actually pounce on that player after this massive drop and kind of, you know, just looking at a player that could potentially win a lot of performance buzz from that midfield position. 
Yeah, definitely, especially after the drop as well, because he's now essentially a cut price. The fear is, obviously, if you buy him now, that he could even fall even further. But like you said, he's not injured. He's um, he's fit and raring to go. It's unfortunate he's going to be cup tied and miss the the big game against Chelsea that's upcoming in the Champions League because he might win media buzz for that, for instance. But you know um, he's he's fit, raring to go, and he's entering a, a category of midfielders where there's not too many players, like you said, winning the performance buzz um, for Barcelona in that uh, Spanish league. So he, there's um, there's definitely opportunity there for um, uh, regular dividends, which is uh, nice to hear. Yeah, I mean, um, just just having a look now uh, on on the index actually as we're speaking, just just to check his price actually is uh, down to four twenty. I think now, don't know what he'll fall to. Uh, I don't think you can ever call a drop or, or call a top, as as they say in, in a lot of financial markets, etc. But um, yeah, definitely want to keep their uh, keep your eye on um, like with with great interest really. I want to go back to um to, to Marcus Alonso actually very very quickly. Yeah. I think um I think for that exact reason on the scoring algorithm for for football index passing is is just so um overpowered you get a, a point per pass and obviously Alonso doesn't pass as much he, he does a lot more crossing a lot more shooting a lot more goal scoring at the end of the day but that's not rewarded on football index it's it's you know quite annoying as a as a trader that those players sometimes performing the best don't actually win uh any performance buzz i don't know if alonso's returned any performance buzz but i know aspilicueta has done a, mm-hmm. a, a lot more in terms of returns than than marcus alonso but on you know on fpl i think um, marcus alonso might be seeing at the top of the tree in terms of defenders or or is it otamendi at the moment i think it is alonso but that's mostly down to his um, goal scoring potential mm. it's the same often actually in terms of bonus points um with fpl so they're more about sort of chances being created and and passes so aspil equator he or he often wins the bonus points in fpl and you'll never see Alonso win them unless he scores because Alonso is all about shooting. And if and if he misses a couple of big chances, that's it. That's his chance of bonus points essentially gone. And you see that a lot as well, actually, with um, Richarlison of Watford. So he's yeah. been, um, he's been a, a revelation this season. You know, young and upcoming player that's done really well, but he never wins bonus points on FBL because of the sheer amount of shots he takes. He doesn't really pass. He he takes a lot of dribbles, has a lot of penalty um, box touches. But he always seems to end up missing the target um, in a lot of his efforts, so he never wins the uh, the bonus points because of that. And um, Alonso takes a lot of shots. Luckily, with Alonso because he's a defender as well, a lot of them go in, so he can really score you some really high points. But because he's not a pass of the ball like the likes of Aspilicueta, he often misses out on those bonus points. And it sounds like the index is the same with its um, focus on passing. So I guess um, you know a lot of midfielders or central defenders do, do a lot of passing um, are likely to win, um, you know, those buzz points more than those uh, forwards and defenders that take a lot of shots or crosses that don't always end up being rewarded. Yeah, well, I mean, on the index, the, the, the shots are rewarded with points, but obviously mm-hmm. the amount of shots you have can completely vary. But also, like, four shots can be worth, like, maybe 20, 25 points, depending if they're on target or off target. That's only 25 passes and someone like Aspilicueta who, who probably racked up about 80-90 a game that's you know doesn't really need those shots does he but um, I think that's that's something that the football index will in the really long term look at and say right do we want players like um, John Stones, Otamendi, uh, Aspilicueta who might not be the most exciting of players but pass a lot be the ones that potentially win performance buzz or do we want to like reward the more exciting talent such as i don't know uh, Ozil, uh as we talk about marcus alonso lots of lots of hype behind him from a fpl standpoint but not really on the football um, on the index just because it doesn't pass enough maybe it doesn't even cross enough because he actually makes a lot of underlaps doesn't he like doesn't doesn't make as many overlaps he actually sometimes goes inside of the the wide player or hazard or or pedro or willian whoever's playing so Sometimes he's when he is on that underlap and he gets into the area, he's looking to shoot rather than cross. So um, yeah, not not the biggest crosser of the ball as well. So um, yeah, I think the the scoring algorithm is something that I've talked a lot about. But um, you have to play the game, and, and at the moment, this is this is the algorithm. This is how it works. This is the the matrix. Sorry, and um, you just gotta just gotta try and play the game and 
and return as much dividends as you as you possibly can. But um, so I'm going to ask you about uh, your podcast a bit more, actually, um, Nick. So, yep. uh, is it, so it's you and your your friend Tom, right? And uh, do you ever get many many guests on in the in the fancy Premier League um, community? So we've um, started having guests on. So we've only been going for six months. So we haven't had too many guests on, but we had um, Chief FPL Hint. He's one of the bigger accounts on Twitter. We had him on um, a couple of weeks uh, ago, and that was that was really good to have a, a guest on for sort of like the first time. Other than um, one of our other friends, Ewan, who's sort of a statistician, he came on the podcast as well, which was awesome. Uh, we've got another guy. Um, we're actually recording tomorrow night, so I'm doing two podcasts this weekend. But, uh, we've got another guy um, called Alex... Um, Alex Waterbaby on Twitter. He's going to be on our next pod as well. So uh, yeah, we've we've started um, approaching some people. Maybe you'd like to to come on at some point as well. We could do a little bit of time with the index, perhaps. But uh, yeah, we've started having some guests on the pod. It's um, it's pretty interesting having an extra person on there to bounce off our ideas. As it you know gives um, our listeners a, a couple more opinions, perhaps rather than just me and me and Tom like rabbiting on week in week out. But um, yeah, it's, it's been going quite well. We also have a, a feature called Psychology Corner, which we talk about sort of the, the psychology of the game. That's sort of Tom's specialist subject because he works in that field as well. And uh, that's that's always interesting, you know, looking at the reasons why people make moves or why people make transfers. And I guess um, you could say psychology plays quite a key role, I guess, in the index as well. So if you, some people might, look at the index and see a player falling and think you know panic and think i've got to jump off that player and, and sell him instantly when perhaps you know if you actually often give it a more reasoned approach you can think about the long game and say okay people might be selling him now because of his um his hamstring going but actually this is a top guy who's going to be back in a few weeks anyway and get you those media and performance dividends straight away so there's, there's no point selling just just be patient yeah definitely i think um People underestimate market psychology in general to, to such an extent that they don't even think about it as a, as a key factor in, in their trading patterns. It is so important to be calm and collected or actually have the same consistent mindset, whether your players are flying up, whether you're kind of you know stagnating slightly, or whether they're plummeting. You have to have that same cold, calculated approach to make decisions because the more like consistent your mindset is when making decisions the better you are going to become as a trader or i think you're the better you're going to become at, at doing many things really like including fpl like how how well can you keep those that that rage you know inside yourself um when one of your fpl players you know when you triple triple captain k and he, you know it doesn't play off mm-hmm. like how 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 can you keep yourself as calm as possible to actually make the next going to impact your your score for the next week same on the index if Kane is doing really badly and he plummets in price and you've missed that absolute drop are you going to panic and sell at the bottom or are you actually going to reevaluate this take a step back and think about you know this is a player who will have an explosion of goals at some point I don't really need to be selling at the bottom if I got out at the top then that's fine that's great I made the right decision but if you made the wrong decision and you held and he fell all the way down it's just as important to keep your finger off the sell button at that bottom point, just as it is, you know, keep, uh, as as keeping the sell, uh, keeping your finger on the sell button as it is at the top, if that makes sense. As I said before, like it's just as important to to sell at as as high as you can as it is to not sell at the low. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, and it's the same with FPL when a player falls in value and his ownership drops dramatically. At that point, he can be almost the best value he can be because he suddenly becomes a differential. He might have under 10% ownership and you think, actually, if this guy then nets a hat-trick, you're going to be one of the only people that benefit from his score and and you'll see your overall rank rise um, dramatically on the back of that because no one else will own him now because they've all sold him so sometimes it is better to to hold a player even if they are losing in value you just have to assess the situation to the best of your ability and try and avoid like emotive responses and um you know react based on the market because the market isn't always right you see you see it all the time um in with the real stock market and with fpl and with probably with the index as well you'll see a a player fall dramatically in value all of a sudden next week he's 
He's um, netting a hat-trick and, and this uh, value of Sunny increase again and all those people that sold him are instantly regretting their situ um, decision and probably buying him back and losing more money based on that. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I, I want to piggyback on, on what you said about emotional decision-making and emotional trading on the index or you know emotional transferring can we call it that for, for fpl yeah it, it's a killer like if you trade with your with your heart and you think something is going to happen and you don't evaluate the facts and, and the actual the market it, it's going to swallow you up um it's it's you know it's something that you have to learn to control you have to learn to be completely emotionless when you are um when you are like making these trades but also do you have a personal affinity to, to a certain player do you really love one player so much that you can't create or can't make any subjective decisions about him or objective sorry not subjective objective decisions about him how are you going to mitigate that are you going to have less of that player because you know you can't make an objective decision or are you going to keep the same amount of that player that you would have even if you don't like have those emotional ties to him if that makes sense like i'm an arsenal fan i've had arsenal players before and because you like you look at them on the index and you're like oh, okay like we're playing you know watford at home next week we're definitely going to win but that's also an emotional opinion an emotional response to looking at that position and it, it could end up hurting you because I, I mean, I got asked a lot about Spurs players at the beginning of the season, right? Lots of people asked me about Harry Kane. Lots of people asked me about Dali Ali. Lots of people asked me about Christian Eriksen. As an Arsenal fan, obviously, I really dislike Tottenham. Some would say I hate Tottenham. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but I had to be as objective as I could be. And when I was taking all the facts into consideration, one being um, Wembley, who's been playing at home at Wembley, I kind of said... I think at the beginning of the season, it's probably not the best decision to hold these players just because that variable is so massive. I don't think people, I mean, your uh, co-host Tom could probably talk a lot about the, the, the mindset, the psychology behind actually playing at home and why there's such an advantage to it. But when you're pretty much not playing at home, like I've watched Spurs a few times at Wembley like on the TV, I wouldn't have to watch them. <laughs> but um, yeah. it, it's just not as loud. It's you know, there's not a lot of energy in the crowd. It, it's almost silent, really. Sometimes you can hear a pin drop. That is a massive variable, and you have to think about these variables in football index. And that's what I kind of said to people who were looking to invest in those players. Obviously, Kane came good at, after a while, and he started scoring a bit more at Wembley. But I'm sure if you look at his record, he's scored more goals away from home than he has at home, hasn't he? Um, yeah, I think this season for sure. I'm actually a Spurs fan, so. oh. <laughs> and it's um, interesting it's because it's suddenly got a bit awkward, hasn't it? <laughs> so my co-host Tom is an Arsenal fan. Oh, so. good lad. So good lad. With the, who got the assist pod? Obviously, being done by Spurs and Arsenal um, fans, it kind of you know adds an extra dynamic to um, our material. But um, both of us, we actually we we kind of talk about FPL. And we play FPL with a lot, with um, very little emotion in terms of our, our actual club allegiances. So I'm always going to sort of be a big fan of Harry Kane, regardless of whether he's blanking. And I've, you know, I've always essentially got his back until he um, until he screws us over in three years' time, goes to Real Madrid. But uh, you know, uh, so yeah, I guess the index is the same. Like I look at an Arsenal player, and I'm probably, you know, I'd be less inclined to sort of invest my. Uh, you know my money in them because I'm thinking why would I put money on an Arsenal player? But if, if there was someone like Maiden Niles, for instance, which I talked about earlier, I thought actually you know this guy seems quite interesting. He's quite young and he's getting some first team action. Maybe I will put some money in him. And that's that's what I did. So yeah, it's just good to sort of try and play it without emotion. Put your club allegiances to to aside. And if say Maitland Niles scored like a brace, I'd be like secretly celebrating really awkwardly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, AZ mate and Niles, but we've discussed him quite a lot um, before. He, he, he looks quite a good player. But yeah, like making objective decisions, it's, it's so, so difficult. But when you are giving people advice, like I'm sure a lot of people contact you guys for FPL advice, and a lot of people certainly do contact me for Football Index advice. I always find it like really difficult. When someone asks me about an Arsenal player and a Tottenham player, I'm just like, ah, okay, right. Let's, let's lay out all the facts. 
And the overriding one for me, the variable at the, the beginning of the season was Wembley. And I think I was proved right. Like at the beginning, Spurs players didn't really do too well. And then, you know, there, there might have been a couple of people that would come back to me like, oh, well, you know, Harry Kane's gone up two pounds from now. And I was like, yeah, but if you held him from the beginning of the season for 12 weeks and he absolutely did nothing, returned nothing, went up not a lot in price at all, then you haven't won anything. You could have used all that capital to make money elsewhere and then put it back in when he actually started performing well. A lot of people think you have to be like in right at the bottom of a, of a big move upwards in terms of price. But the key is actually just getting the big chunk of the move, not getting in right at the bottom, not getting out right at the top, but make uh, like actually catching as much of that big move upwards as you can. And that's like where the most money is made because you can then move money from, from that position elsewhere and put it into a, a more undervalued asset. Yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. I think uh, yeah, Spurs did struggle a little bit at Wembley when they, they first moved there this season. I, I think it was basically, it was a bit of a hoodoo that developed as well because last season they didn't win too often when they were playing at Wembley in the Champions League. They, they tended to struggle and um, I think just playing in a different stadium, it's a different sized pitch as well. So the team weren't as used to sort of performing in that stadium. And I think I think we saw it as well a little bit with um, West Ham when they first moved to the Olympic Stadium. Yeah, yeah I was saying that. Um, I was actually saying that to uh, to a lot of people who asked me at the, at the beginning of the season. I was like, well, if you look at West Ham, they, they didn't do too well last season. Uh, and I think the same could happen to Spurs. And at the beginning of the season, it did happen. And uh, like, luckily, I was right. If I was wrong, then I would have really had to seriously reconsider giving advice people about Spurs or Arsenal players but yeah I mean um, Arsenal didn't do too badly last season at Wembley did they? No yeah just had to nip that one in sorry. Moving on, moving on. <laughs> yeah. No, I think yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the situation with advice and we find it as well we get lots of questions each week on our podcast um, on FPL and we try and you know we, we we avoid emotion in terms of our decision making, and it also we'll we'll tend to promote players within our squads, you know, <laughs> accidentally just because we like actually we think these guys are quite good. But uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't get every piece of advice wrong, and we, we've we've occasionally said the wrong thing to people. But on the most part, if you're getting ninety five percent or ninety percent of the advice you're giving out is correct, then uh, yeah, you should continue doing it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like you don't have to win every single trade. You don't have to make money on every single trade. It's about how many trades, like the percentage of trades you actually do like well in on football index. And it's probably the same on FPL. You're going to take some risks that might not work out so well. And you're going to like, you know, triple captaining Ali or, or Kane this in this double game week. That was a risk because Kane's was ill and might not have started one of the games, which turned out to be a reality. But the risk to be reward there was being, or the risk to be reward being, you know, is he, if he doesn't start, then, you know, I'm not going to get that many points. If he does start, then not a lot of people may have, you know, triple captained him because there was a big fear that he wouldn't start. And then he, if he did score and start, um, then you would have been in for a lot of points. The same thing can be said about football index. Like, if a lot of people are scared of something happen happening and on Twitter everyone's fear-mongering and being like, oh my god, like this player's never gonna return any performance bars, this player's definitely not moving here or whatever, and there's a lot of fear and certainty, there's a lot of doubt about a certain player. Sometimes that's the best time to actually buy. And then when there's a lot of people on Twitter going like, Oh, this is the greatest player ever, like he's gonna return X, Y, and Z amount, he's definitely gonna move to this this team, etc that might be where you look at it and say well how much interest in, is in this player and two is it actually warranted is he actually like you know superseding his utility as an asset like is his value warranted is he going to actually return x amount of dividends and if the answer is no when there is that massive interest on twitter or massive like lots of people saying yeah this is going to be the greatest thing ever this is going to be the greatest player ever that might be the time to take some profits because you're entering a territory, kind of that bubble territory, where everyone's like, yeah, I want a piece of that action just because the price is going up. 
I completely agree with all your points. You, you've got to just watch the market and <laughs> find that optimum optimum opportunity. Yeah, for sure. I think um, it, it is something that you have to learn very, very, not very quickly, actually. A lot of people always ask me, like, and I do mention this every podcast because I want to hammer it home. And it is, it's not how much money you start with on Football Index. It's how quickly you learn with the capital you invest at first. Because the real money comes when you invest a bit more and then you know exactly what you're doing. You know when to enter a position, you know when to leave a position. That's when the real money is is actually earned. At the beginning, it's how quickly can I learn to earn, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I think it's always a bit of trial and error as well. So exactly. I imagine I imagine when you initially invest, you're, you're learning about a new platform, a new portfolio. You don't necessarily understand how the model exactly works. And I think um, I, I was reading the forums actually um, a little bit earlier um, just to see what you know people were talking about on the index, and there was a few people complaining about Barkley, for instance, and I guess that's the case as well. He's he's now transferred to Chelsea, but he's not going to be getting those media buzzes anymore. So that's the reason his his value's falling, and um, he's also still injured, so he's not going to be um, getting any performance buzzes. He might even not even get into the Chelsea first team a lot of the time. So he's really he's really plummeting um, just in the last twenty four hours, which is quite interesting. Um, especially considering you think oh, oh he's um, a big story at the moment in the press obviously a lot of talk about his uh, transfer to to Chelsea but in terms of the index you you might think if you're a new investor oh I'm going to buy some Parkley stock based on this article but it's you'll probably see an instant loss because of the fact he's falling but in a couple of months time he might then be an opportune moment to reinvest in in Barclay because he might be starting to get ready match fit you know, he might be making a push to get into that Chelsea team, get into the England squad, stuff like that, which would then see his value increase again. Yeah, for sure. Like so many variables. And, it, and especially this is why um, I actually started this this channel, this podcast, is because I, I do want to prepare new people who come onto the platform as, as best as I can. Because it is so hard to understand. It's, it's, it's a First, it's a difficult concept in terms of the actual index itself. Secondly, when a player falls and they're like, the, 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 the classic question is always, and I get this on Facebook, I get this on Twitter, I get this from friends on WhatsApp, why is X player falling? And it's, it's like, oh, you sound like a broken record at some point. But as I said before, when the, the, the speculative value goes in terms of Barkley, that speculation was him going to Chelsea or would he go to Spurs, etc. When that speculation dies, a lot of the value that was actually in Barclay was due to the speculation. So that's one variable that has actually just been taken out of the equation. The, the speculation is no longer there. He is not going to be as likely to win some media buzz because he's not going to be playing for a little while. There's not going to be, he's not that high profile a player as well. So it, it is one of those things where you have to consider those variables. But also, as you said, when he does get match fit again, is that the opportune moment to then buy him? Is he then going to become uh, get into the England squad? Also, is is Ross Barkley actually finally going to mature into the footballer that a lot of people thought? Like Jesse Lingard is having his breakout year this year. Why can't Ross Barkley do it at Chelsea? Is Antonio Conte going to actually transform him from someone who actually doesn't get on the stat sheet that often, who doesn't have like a, a finished end product? Is he going to make him into an absolute baller? Who knows? There are so many variables that are forthcoming. But yeah. you just need to make that best decision when yeah, definitely. he gets. Um, sorry, when he probably gets, you know, match fit again. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think when Barkley first arrived on the scene, a lot of people were comparing him to Paul Gascoigne in terms of his abilities and his potential. And obviously, he's not reached the heights of Paul Gascoigne or anywhere near at the moment. But in terms of the index, he's he's priced at two pounds right now. If you look around him, there's the likes of Christian Eriksen, two pounds um, four p. So. You'd say in terms of uh, performance and actual ability as a footballer, Ericsson is, is far ahead of, well, you might not say as an Arsenal fan, but Ericsson's <laughs> far ahead of uh, Barkley in his um, ability. But I guess there's also potentially an English um, factor in Barkley being English. It probably helps with the um, the media and the performance because um, the media won't really care about Christian Ericsson because he's because he's not English. But if, well, as soon as an English player starts you know, performing well in the league, they're going to get plenty of... Uh, 
press attention and that's that's even for off the field antics as much as on the field antics so um that's probably why he's he's priced quite highly anyway so it's, it's no surprise really like you said with the um with the no no longer having any news about him transferring anywhere because it's um, done and dusted it's no surprise that his value is falling especially with him not actually performing on the pitch or even being able to play on the pitch with his injury yeah definitely i mean Christian Eriksen is, is a better footballer than Barkley. I will, I will, I will <laughs> hand, you, hand you that one. But yeah, I mean, he is 24 as well. Like, we're seeing a lot of players break out this season at that age, like Nabil Fakir, um, Jesse Lingard. Uh, I mean, like, even Jack Wilshire at Arsenal is, is 25, 26 now. He's he's proving his, his worth until he eventually, you know, gets injured again. Yeah. Uh, so so I think there's there's massive hype on players between the ages of like 18 and 22. How many of them actually do incredibly well between those ages is, you know, remains to be seen. You've got your, your Dembele's, your, your Mbappe's who are playing at the top level. But, and even those who are playing at the top level, like Rashford, he's now going through this big, you know, kind of a transitional period in, in the United team. And who knows when, when we get to summer, United are probably going to splash another 200 million quid probably get a big forward in, probably get a big central midfielder in, probably get a big centre-half in. So how is Rashford going to progress? There's, there's always so many variables with these young players. But when they do get yeah. to that 20... Sorry, sorry again. When they get to, to that 23, 24, 25 age range, that's when you start to see them become real players, as we've seen with some of these breakout stars. Yeah, definitely. I think Rashford's an interesting case because um, I was interested in, you know, looking at him in terms of the market, but he's he's very, his price is very high for what he offers on the pitch currently. He's at £3.86, same price as Kevin De Bruyne. And then obviously you compare the two currently in terms of their performances. KDB is miles ahead of Rashford, unfortunately. So I guess that's another example of an English factor and age you know, artificially inflating his price because he's very young and it happens in the in actual real Premier League market in terms of transfer value as well. But because he's very young, you know, his value on the index is very high because he's English. His value on the index is very high. But if you're actually thinking about those performance buzzes, you're probably not going to get too many from him. Um, the other one I was quite interested in looking at um, was Phil Foden. I was like, obviously, he's um, only 17. He's very young um, English player. Um, a lot of talk about him at the moment, but he's he's not going to be appearing on the pitch much, is he? Um, and I think he's even injured now. But I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll look at um, Foden because it's a long term investment. But at only one at one pound forty, I was like, Christ, you know, that's very expensive for a guy that's not going to. He's not even going to get you any media buzz really because he's not being talked about that much at the moment with him not playing. And uh, you know, he's uh, he's not going to be on the pitch either, so you're not going to see any dividends, and you're just going to see that. If you buy Foden stock, you're going to hope that he, he rises and you're basically investing in the player. But even at 17, you've only got it for three years. So hopefully, you know, he might emerge during those three years, but he might be later. He might, you know, he might not really emerge as a, a starter in the Premier League at the, until the age of 22, 23, like the likes of Lingard. Yeah, definitely. I think um, with young players, it's all speculative, isn't it? It's, it's much like an actual financial in terms of like, there might be a lot of hype behind a, a certain idea or, or something that a company is producing. Um, and the, you know, the speculation at some point supersedes its potential value or what the actual value of the stock has compared to, to competitors around it. And, uh, you know, when, when you're talking about um, uh, Rashford and Kevin De Bruyne there, Rashford, Playing for United is always going to have that edge because United are the most talked about team in the media. And also on media buzz, the word United actually gives you a plus one, which means you get like 40 points per article instead of 20, which is you know an interesting fact if you didn't know. That's why United dominate the media buzz. But even if they didn't have that you know, United plus one thing, they would still probably dominate it just because they are the biggest team in England by a mile. They have the most fans. And they have the most like reporters actually correspond uh, most correspondents for like sp specifically for Manchester United. But yeah, young players were uh, something you know when a lot of the IPOs came in, a lot of the um, a lot of the players did become 
super, super overinflated. Phil Foden becoming one of them. I think um, Jaden Sancho as well. These are these are players that aren't even playing for their respective clubs at the moment. So you, you might have to buy your time. If you're comfortable leaving your money in the index for three years and not looking at it, fair play. If you want to make some more quick to medium term profit, then, you know, that's probably not the way to go. But I think, Nick, I think I've taken more than an hour of your time, mate. And uh, even as a Spurs fan, I don't want to torture you too long. Um, so, so I think I'm, I'm going to let you sign off now, and uh, you, you can talk about your your Twitter your handle and, and where people can find you. Uh, yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, it's uh, been very enjoyable being on um, your podcast. Uh, so, yeah, we are um, who got the assist. It's myself and Tom, as I said earlier. Um, you can find us on Twitter at wgta underscore fpl, and you can um, also find us um, our website, which is www.whogottheassist.com. Um, we have quite a few features on there. We've, we're doing some articles at the moment in terms of um, transfers based on prospecting the prospects, which is all about um, new signings in the Premier League. So um, Tom's just written up an article um, on Kenk Tosin, who's um, joined yeah. Everton. So it's worth checking out if you're interested in some of these new players that are coming to the Premier League. So the likes of Kenk Tosin, you're probably going to see him rising in value, especially if he starts performing for Everton. Um, on the index now he's at the Premier League so we've done some interesting articles on that theme which um, you, you may enjoy checking out um, and check out our podcast as well which you can find on iTunes um, Stitcher um, Acast as well if you um, if you're into FPL and uh, want to check us out yeah thanks very much Nick thank you very much for coming on it's uh, really nice to have uh, a fantasy football kind of perspective I've been trying to get some FPL people involved in the podcast in terms of guests but uh hadn't had much success until uh, you came on so, so thank you very much but um yeah if you, if you guys did enjoy this please do subscribe to the podcast and uh subscribe to my youtube channel as well that's that's gaining a few more subscribers recently which is really nice i'm gonna have some hopefully good content coming through and uh yeah leave a review for the podcast as well if you really did enjoy it and uh, you are you know you know gaining some value from what we're talking about here a lot of people are always saying on twitter you know i really enjoyed the podcast a lot but are you reviewing it that would be very lovely and <laughs> indeed so yeah thanks very much everyone who's listening and uh yeah happy new year as well 